Welcome to the Life of Christ Series 4, Term 2. These are the last two lessons in this term. We are up to Lesson 19. We are on page 9 um, in Chapter 15. And we were just getting to um, John 5 and verse 25. But there was one more statement I needed to make uh, with regard to the previous verse. So I'm going to read verse 24. Just, Jesus is speaking here and he says, Most assuredly I say to you, he said, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death to life. It is an incredible statement. To have eternal life now is to be secure throughout eternity. Amen? It means that Jesus is saying that if you've got it now, you've got it forever. And just as those who accept the way of darkness and evil have already been judged. So, notice again, he's, He's letting us know something which is incredible. And that is... If you know now that you are saved, then you don't need to wait to find out whether you're going to live on forever. Your forever began the day that you were saved. See, a lot of times people are saying, oh, when I die, I'll live forever. Sweetheart, you are already there. (laughs) If you're not, you better get there now. Amen? And that's one of the things that we, we, we kind of miss sometimes, that the moment that we get saved, we're on the track for eternity. We are, from that moment on, going to be living forever. And that's why it is so important. See, a lot of people are looking for, you know, to get people saved or converted, so to speak. But the, the whole thing is that a lot, of, a lot of times people miss that what we're trying to do is get people on the track to eternity now. This is about, you are now going to live forever. And then you are going to find your home in heaven. Amen? Amen? As well. So, moving on to the next verse. John 5.25, Jesus continues. He says, Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour... Or the time is coming. Now, this is going to be a little bit... This and the next verses are going to be a little bit difficult, so try and follow the best you can. All the things in the brackets are me trying to explain to you what's going on. <laughs> okay, so there's, a, there's, there's some addition there. So let me read all of it. Um, he says again, Most assuredly I say to you, meaning again that this statement is as important as the previous one, the hour or the time is coming and now is when the spiritually dead... Because otherwise you'd think, well, how can a dead person hear? And that's why I included that word in. The spiritually dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those spiritually dead who hear will live. So, William Hendrickson explains, the expression, the hour is coming, and yes, or has already arrived, refers to this entire new dispensation. That's the church age that we're living in, okay? And the hosts of converts that will be drawn out of the darkness and into the light and out of death into life, from the realm of both Jew and Gentile. So this wasn't you know, um, restricted to race, this was for everyone. Praise God, we're in that. That's the reason why, for us, death is just a stepping stone to another life, a better life. Hallelujah. And, and you know, it's, it's one of those things that, I, I guess it's the one thing that is so key in, in being a Christian... Is that, uh, is that no, knowledge and understanding that we go from this to better. No matter how good this is. And that's the reason why you know, the Apostle Paul said, you know, I don't know whether to be with you or to go home. I'm not sure to go home, but for, you, for your sake I'll stay. <laughs> Do you know? Because he had a revelation of what was waiting. And I think a lot of times we miss that. We miss what Jesus came to do and we miss, see we, we, we don't quite get what he's trying to get across to us here. 
one of the things that I, I guess I, I realized at one point in time was because I was praying and, and I was asking God about this life. And he said, he said, let me tell you what the cross did. It took you from death to life, but also from defeat to victory. And he said, the whole point of it was for, for you to become a pain in the sight of the devil while you're here. Live a victorious, successful, blessed life and then have better when you come home. And I thought, that's a pretty good life. He said, that's why I want everybody to get it. <laughs> you know? And I began to realize then what this was all about. It wasn't changing religions. It was changing from defeat to victory. From death to life. Amen? And life eternally. Hallelujah. In other words, all those that are alive in the time of Jesus would not only be able to look forward to what Jesus was about to do on the cross, and that's expressed as the hour is coming, but also in a very short while, expressed as, and now is, enjoy the resulting new birth. In short, those who hear are all those who respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and as a result, they will live or have eternal life. That's according to John 3.16. Remember, for God to love the world. You know, we love that verse, but we sometimes don't get the ramifications. We don't understand what it's actually saying. That He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe on Him shall not perish, but have. We all just read life. We miss everlasting life. We miss eternal life. Jesus continues on to verse 26. For as the Father has life in Himself. The reason that this is important, let me just preface it with this, is one of the things that when you read this, you think, well, that's really good for Jesus. But where is Jesus living? In you. So you need to realize that whatever He has, it's in you. You've got it. When I was praying, I was um, asking God about certain things, and, and I was looking at how incredible Jesus Christ was. And then I stopped for a second and I thought, why is this so important to me? He said, because I'm in you. <laughs> you know? He said, everything you learn about me, you need to realize lives in you. See, because it's become, become a little bit of a cliche, you know, have you got Jesus in your heart? You know, you know what I'm trying to say? And everybody's like, oh yeah, I got Jesus in me. You know, and they have no idea what we're on about. All we see is this little guy with a lamb hanging out around in your heart. So what? <laughs> okay? And we miss this. We kind of, we, we, we don't understand. And that's why I think it's so important that we understand about Jesus Christ, who He was. Amen? So that we can understand who we are. Now are you the sons of God. See, again, that's why John, you know, when he wrote his epistle, when we get to it in chapter 3, uh, 1 John chapter 3, it, it's just shocking to him. Do you know why? Because he has all this revelation. He wrote, this is his gospel, remember. He wrote all the words of Jesus Christ down here. And he understood the importance of all of this. What you also realize, can you, have you noticed something? That there are no other parallel gospels on this one. Have you noticed? They're not there. Mark doesn't have it. Luke doesn't have it. Matthew doesn't have it. Only John. And can you see how important this is? Alright, so let's continue on here. Verse 26, he says, For as the Father has life in Himself, okay, referring to a life that never had a source apart from Himself. So it didn't come from anywhere else. Are, are you getting this? Watch this. So He has granted the Son to have life in Himself. 
That's huge. See, let me just kind of, I haven't, I don't, I don't think this is in our notes, so let me just share some revelation with you just for a minute before we get to our notes. This, this tells us that you know how we say all things are held, that God's life is in everything. We're going to see that in a moment. It's one of these quotes, in fact. All right? That, that everybody will agree that all, everything is held because of the life of God. That life is in everything. Any life that you see anywhere is that life. Contains that life. Which is what's sad, you know, when people are speaking against the Creator Himself, the one who has given them His life, and they're using that life to come against Him, which is very sad, okay? Which is, which is what they have to answer to at the end. But the thing is that we understand that. But So when we come to the place where we say, okay, you know, if God, quote-unquote, died, okay, God wasn't there, everything will fall in on itself because there's no life. Except Him. It means that Jesus Christ's life is independent of the Father. That's what this is saying. That everything else might fall apart, but He won't. Now, the Father is never going to die. So, <laughs> okay, this is, hallelujah. All right, He's eternal life. All right, but that's what this means, and I need you to get that. Okay, all right, now let's go on. Leon Morris explains the significance of this statement to the Jewish leaders at the time by saying, the Jews accepted unhesitatingly the truth that all life takes its origin from the Father. All life except His own. His own life is inherent in His being. But it is characteristic of this gospel to bring out the thought that the Son has been given a share in this life. To Him, the Son, it is given to have the same kind of life within, within Himself as that which the Father has within himself. And John's interest is in that life which is associated with the Son. So he, he's saying, listen, I understand, we all have understood that God has his own life, that all life comes from God. But he's saying, what I want you guys to now begin to see is that there was another individual that has that life. Do you understand now why John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jump down to verse 4. In Him was life. It didn't say He had life. It said in Him was life, and that life was the light of all men. That, that, that we are actually living off Jesus Christ's life. Interesting, isn't it? Which is why He said all things were made by Him. Alright, so Colossians and John both tells us that, by the way. Amen. Alright. So getting back to this. So not only, is the son, uh, not only is the Son as great as the Father. And this is what He's trying to bring out. But here we see that the Son is also as divine as the Father. Now, this is the reason why you know, I, I keep saying this. And I'm sorry for saying this all the time. But it, it is one of the reasons why I truly believe. Unless John had some incredible revelation that nobody else had. I truly, I, I truly feel that he actually wrote his gospel and epistles after Revelation. Because he saw something that just astounded him. When I read things like this, and I begin to understand why he wrote his gospel, that he, John isn't the one to stand there and go, there's three gospels, well, I should write my own then. I don't see him as that kind of a person. I see him as a person that comes down and looks and, you know, he's been to heaven. He sees all of this majesty and glory and just things that he can't even talk about. And some things he were told not to talk about. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you want to know what, right? I want to know what. Anyway, <clears throat> he comes back with all of that. 
I think he looks at all the gospels that were there and goes, this is not enough. He was with us and we missed some things. Do you know what I'm trying to say? And I honestly truly believe that he, he put all of this down because he saw the lamb. He saw that the life was in the lamb. He saw that Jesus Christ in all of his glory in heaven. Like they had never seen down here. He got a glimpse of it at the Mount of Transfiguration. But dear God, they had no idea how far that extended. Amen? So I can, I can understand that if he saw that, he just came back and thought, I get it now. I'm beginning to remember all the things Jesus said. And the, the, the significance of all of that, because you know, one of the things that they said was they didn't understand what he said while he was here. It's just like straight over their head. Do you know why? They were spiritually dead. That's what Jesus said. I have to go. If I don't go, you guys won't get any of this either. Amen? And, but when we get born again, that's, why, that's the advantage you have. You have a new spirit. That's why Jesus said you have to be born from above. Listen now. You'll get a new revelation, I hope. The reason is, when you're born from above, you can understanding. You can understand understanding. You can, you can understand everything that is from above. Where people down here cannot comprehend heaven, you can. Do you know why? Because you are seated with Him in heavenly places. Spiritually, you're already there. So you have the ability to actually comprehend it. Whether we receive that ability, whether we walk in that ability, that's a whole other thing. You all understand, right? Okay. But you have that ability to do it. Hallelujah. And if we start to understand what that actually entails... Family, I just, <laughs> there is no limit to what we will start to do. In his commentary, D.A. Carson says that this verse explains how it is that the Son can exercise divine judgment and generate resurrection life by his powerful word. Do you get this? See, again, let me stop here for a second. If he lives in you, that's what gives you the right when he said, not only will you do these works, but greater works than these shall you do. And remember why he said that? He said, because I go to my father. So he's saying, listen, I did stuff that was under the old covenant. Because he hadn't died yet. This is, the, this is the problem that he was having. Okay? For him to do more, he had to die. But he, but he does it through us. Amen? So he lives through us. Once he died, he could live through us. And what he wanted us to do is go beyond what he was able to do under the old covenant. Are we getting this? And so this is the problem that we... This is why it's so bad for us when we look and go, Jesus, oh, there's no higher pinnacle than he is. Sweetheart! That was the starting point. That's why, again, when I look at the, you know, when, when he says, and these signs will follow those who believe, he was saying these are just signs. It was the beginning of things. You guys are meant to go far beyond this. In fact, there should be things that are just baking your noodles sometimes. You know, you just think, is that possible? Raising the dead and stuff, we just, you know, like way back there. We're so far ahead now. We're doing things that people can't even just uh, comprehend in their brain because they're not born again. And that should be, you know, that should be where the evangelism is. That we do things that people go, wow, how'd you do that? You need the new birth. <laughs> you need the mind of Christ. I can explain it to you, it will just go right over your head. Yo, you want that? You, wanna, you know how, want to know how this happened? Come over here. I tell you, they'll come in droves. But once, while you're arguing religion, you know, 
Everybody has their point of view. What makes yours better than mine? Get it? Okay. Uh, I was in the middle of this now. Let's go back to it. <laughs> so again, D.A. Carson. He says, this verse explains how it is that the Son um, can exercise divine judgment and generate resurrection life by His powerful Word. It is because, like God, He has life in Himself. God is self-existence. He is always the living God. Notice, He's never a dead God, okay? Human beings are derived creatures. Our life comes from God. But to the Son, and to the Son alone, God has imparted life in Himself. An act belonging to eternity. Do you get that? Okay, according to, again, John 1.1 and John 1.4, which stated, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. Verse 4, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Alright? Therefore, it is this eternal uh, impartation of life in Himself... To the Son that gives him, that is the Son, the authority and power to call the dead to life. Did you all get all of that? Amen? Okay. That, now, th- this is the reason why I said to you it is so important that we understand who lives in us. A lot of times denominationals will preach this and stop there. I don't want to. I want to let you know that as special as Jesus is, that's how special you can be. If you want. That's the whole thing, isn't it? It's up to us. Do we want it? One of the problems that we're having is we're in a body that has been cursed. Okay? It's a part of the earth that was cursed. You all get it? Okay, that's why we need, we need a resurrection body. Alright? Our spirit is made perfect. That's something we couldn't do anything about. That's why Jesus had to do that. Hence, we are born from above. Born again from above. Okay? Our soul, we need to uh, renew our minds, okay? And that is a part of our soulish nature. And when we can, that's a part that we have to grow in. But with our body, there's only so much we can do. Because the thing, you know, from dust it came, it'll return back to dust. Unless we get translated, okay? <laughs> okay? That happens, we're going, baby, we ain't dying, we're just going. Everything will be translated, it will be, uh, what's the word they used? Uh, in a twinkling of an eye, we'll be transformed. That's the word, okay? We'll just get transformed. Remember on the Mount of Transfiguration? It's the same word. You know how Jesus suddenly shone? Just out of nowhere, he just, boom, and he was light. And it was so bright, it was like the sun. Okay, he would have blinded them all if he went full, kind of full glow. Can I say that? I think he held back on his glow. Just, to, you know, they didn't have shades. They said, well, hang on, let me get my Ray-Bans. We couldn't do that, <laughs> okay? <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? So he, he sort of let them know what he was like. And that glow, family, that's what's in you. Did you realize when Jesus said, you are the light of the world? Oh, brother, he was talking metaphorically or... Yeah, but there was more to it. That's what the Apostle Paul said. It is a glorious church that he's looking for. When we think, see, we think of glorious church down here, we think, oh, everybody's doing well. We, if I said, you know, God is a God of glory, what would you think? You'd suddenly see all of this light. Y'all, would, can I assume that? Yeah, okay, you'd see. When you, if I associated glory to God, you'd have a different picture. If I said glorious church, you'd have another picture. It's like, oh, it's such a wonderful church. <laughs> no, it's the same thing. You can't change it halfway down. It translates the same. Amen? Now, do you know it's interesting now since we're here? Let me just share one more thing. Do you know when you read in 
Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. When he talks about the renewing of your mind, that you may be transformed is the same word on the Mount of Transfiguration. That's why you're coming to Bible College. Amen. I'm praying that you are being transformed a little bit here and a little bit there. And one day you won't have to tell people you're a Christian. They'll be able to see that you're a Christian. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Now let's move on. Therefore, this eternal impartation of life in himself to the Son is what gives the Son the authority and the power to call the dead to life and why you can do the same thing when the time comes. Amen? I just want to add that to it. I know I said it before, but I want to say it again. All right, verse 27. He's going on now, and he says, and he has given him authority. Again, he's talking about himself, okay, the Son. And has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the son of man. Now this is really interesting. I would have thought he said because he is the son of God. But you, I'm, when I get through this, you'll understand why he said because he is the son of man. That is so key. You see, one of the problems that we have is this. Let, let me preface it a little bit. What, if as a human being you were standing before the judgment seat of Christ, okay, or before God as judge... What is one of the arguments that you can bring? God, you have no idea what it is like to be human. You can't judge us because you're not down here. You're not working nine to five. But okay. you, you, you know, you're just sitting on your throne. You, you can't judge us. Listen to me. Okay. Sorry about the singing. Okay. See, this is the thing. That we can stand there and say, God, you don't know. <clears throat> and, and you know what? We'd have a case. He wouldn't know. <clears throat> so who's the only one <laughs> that is qualified to judge us? Somebody like us. That's been through all of this. That can say, I know what you're going through. And you still disobeyed. So <laughs> okay, all right. Do you see what I'm trying to say? See, this is the reason why it has to be the Son of Man. Now... Let's read through this. I think we have a few more minutes. And uh, we'll, we'll stop in the middle if we have to come back and continue on here. In other words, just as the Father has imparted, imparted life in Himself to the Son, He has also given the Son the authority to judge. So He's moving on now from not only does the Son have life in Himself, but the Son has now the authority to judge as well. This, this is again a second thing that John is bringing out, or in what we have looked at today, that's telling the people, the Jews, that Jesus is not a man. That Jesus Christ is God. And they've got to stop attacking Him. They've got to stop having this kind of, Oh, you say you're this and you're that, you're possessed. Because we don't like you. <laughs> okay? And all the stuff you're doing, you know, to, to get rid of devils is, is because you're part of the devilish kingdom. And then you just got to deal with them. You know, you say, I'll say you go. And then you all just scream and run off and we'll make a show of it. Is what they're trying to say. When in actual fact, they are actually running from him because they always acknowledge, we know you. Have you come to judge us before the time? Eh, it doesn't sound like a good deal. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Alright, so. <clears throat> As Leon Morris puts it, the final verdict on the entire human race is in the hands of the one judge alone. It is this that makes the present passage startling. 
it is like the earlier expression that spoke of the father as granting to the son that he might have life within himself. Both point to, to divine or godly prerogatives in the son. Do you all get that? I think I explained all that to you. Yeah? Okay. Added to this, D.A. Carson explains that his authority to judge becomes all the more understandable if it is based not only on his apocalyptic identity, the Son of Man, okay, and his oneness with the human race, in that he walked where humans walked. So this is what gives him the right to do it. Okay? But also, uh, on the revelation, he has so graciously imparted to the human race, and which has so often been ignored and rejected by them. Okay? Because men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. And so it is for these reasons God has given him authority to judge. Do you get this now? Okay, because he knows, he understands, and he can counteract any argument that comes at him. Amen. Because he can say, I was there, I know what it's like. That's why he is easily touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Okay, that's why it says that he was tempted on all points. Hallelujah, without sin, okay? We miss it, he didn't, not one single time. That's pretty huge. Now, can I just say this? If he was an all man, that wouldn't be fair. If he was just all God, like, so what? But if he was all man and he could have sinned, then that's a big deal. And that's the reason why, again, we we need to understand that duality is there. Can I say this now? Are you ready for another revelation? Just as much as we can see the duality of the Son of God being also the Son of Man, we need to see the duality of us as being the sons of men, so to speak, and daughters of men, now also being the Son and daughters of God. Get it? Our duality goes the other way, but it's the same thing. His was from God to man, we're from man back to God. And we have the same exact identity now. Hallelujah. Okay. If you got that, you got that. That's huge. Which means that, you know, just as he was restricted in some things because he was son of man, but unrestricted in all things because he was the son of God, we went from being restricted to unrestricted. Amen. Amen. And he chose to be restricted. He didn't have to be. He chose to. We couldn't choose to be unrestricted. We were just made that way. (laughs) Okay? Which is why, again, you know, the Apostle John says, Wow, we're the kids of God. Do you all get this? Everybody's going, "Uh uh-huh. He goes, no, you don't. You still don't get it. You think you get it, but you don't. Because you need to see heaven. You need to understand what that means. When you see him, the lamb, as he was slain, Seated on the throne. When the angel, that strong angel stood up and said, Who can do this? Everybody's like, oh, we tried. No, we can't. And then came, and you know, remember he said he was weeping. Because nobody could could open this scroll. And here he comes. Can you imagine? I would have put music to that man. (laughs) Remember the angels can sing. They're probably, okay, or something. I don't know. But he comes down and he takes it out of his hand. He said, I can do this. Wow. That's who lives in you. That's what gives you the right. If you were translated back into Old Testament times, when David was transporting the Ark of the Covenant, and some, they, they tipped it, it was going to fall, somebody went and stuck their hand on it and died. 
If you were there, you wouldn't have. Because God would have come in contact with God. And you would have got it finally. They would have looked at you and thought, Who are you? Are you a priest? The Bible says now we're kings and priests. That's why we can handle the the ark. Uh, Let me just conclude with this little statement here. In short, if you reject the Son, you will in turn be judged by the Son, not the Father. Because He is the Son of Man. Amen? And like I said before, that's what gives Him the right to judge. Is because He understands you. Amen. Okay. Let's take a break and we'll come back and we'll continue on from that point on.